Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, fear not, Mary. I love those two words. If you circled anything, circle those two words. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now in that brief little description there, an angel named Gabriel appears to Mary nine months before Christmas. I want you to understand, Jesus probably was not born in December, okay? Hate to break your bubble. Jesus was probably born in September, October time frame. But that's okay. Because the announcement by the angel that Jesus was going to be born was in December. Okay, so December is an okay month to celebrate his birth, no matter how you work it. Um, then the angel declares the following things before Mary ever knew any of it was happening. He says, first of all, he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, favor is one of those words we rarely use. We do hear it when somebody says, I fell out of favor with someone. So that's an old way of saying, kind of messed up and they kind of don't respect me anymore. Here. The angel says, Mary, God has noticed you. And God likes what he sees in you. Now, wouldn't it be nice if God could say that about us? It'd be a great goal to have. You know, 2020, I don't know if there was much for God to notice in my life, but I want 2021 for God to notice some things that matter. Mary, you found favor with God. Then he says two of the sweetest words, fear not. Mary, you have nothing to fear. That's a shame that, have you noticed, all the news, the movies, the novels, and all the conspiracy theories that have, been, have hyped up people to the point where everybody's afraid of everything. I can't drink the water. It's got fluoride. You know? And, oh, you know, uh, the government is watching my every move. Listen to me. Fear not. Okay? Some things we do have to confront. Some things we do have to face and say, change this, and we don't want that. But Christians don't live in fear. And when the RTE and when the, the, the conspiracy stupid YouTubes that everybody's spending all their time in COVID watching that makes everybody go, everything is terrifying. Do not live in fear. That is not for a Christian, folks. God says, don't be afraid at all. As a matter of fact, we just keep looking up going, it's, 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 it's just coming to play like the Bible says. You know, somebody said, you know, this vaccine, they're, they're, they're trying to put a chip in you with it. Yeah, yeah, I read about it. <laughs> it was written 2,000 years ago that this was going to happen. Woo! It ain't going to happen to me, but it's happening. <laughs> Fear not, Mary. Third, God is a surprise gift for you. When, when, when Nita and I uh, uh, went Christmas shopping for the kids, we always brought them and then we hid them because we didn't usually have time to wrap them. Okay? When you have five kids, you have no time at all. Okay? So my kids loved going around the house trying to find where we hit them. To this day, my daughter, Sharon, 
hates surprises. She wants to know what she's getting. Mom, what'd you get me? I'm not telling you. Oh, oh, oh mom, I want to know. I want to know. But isn't it nice when you're surprised? And the angel says, Mary, I got a surprise for you, something you don't expect. You're going to have a baby. You're not going to get wealth or beauty or political power. Isn't that what people want out of Christianity? They, they come to church because they want to find people they can intermingle with that are important people. Sorry. <laughs> Some people, they want from God extra paycheck. They want extra money. They want, they want God to fix their life, make them a foot taller, make them prettier, whatever. That's not the surprise of Christmas. The surprise of Christmas was the Son of God named Jesus. Then he blows her mind. He says, that little unborn baby, listen to me, is the king of kings. Look at verse 32 and 33 again. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. That unborn child is a promised king of kings. I have to say this, uh, go to verse 46. Not only is he king of kings, verse 46 says this, he's savior. Verse 46, Mary said, my Lord, my soul doth magnify, we'd say praise the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, not the savior. What does it say? Isn't that wonderful? Mary needed a savior. Mary is not the savior at all. I've got a little book at home. I collect books. Uh, I read them too. <laughs> um, but I have a book called Mary, My Hope. It's not a book you want to read because it's a lie. Mary is not your hope. Jesus is. Mary needed a Savior just like you and I do. She was not immaculately conceived. Jesus was. She was not sinless. Jesus was. She did not take anything from Jesus. She was a sinner who got saved by the same Son of God that we do. Everyone needs to be saved. Mary's no exception. Did you know it's funny how Bill Gates, you know what Bill Gates wants for the whole world? For everybody to be vaccinated. Have you heard him say that? They've interviewed him. They've poured it over. Bill Gates says, we need the whole world to be vaccinated. Boy, I wish he was a Christian. Because you know what Christians have been saying for the last 2,000 years? We need the whole world saved. We need the whole world in getting, getting, uh, getting born again, repenting and believing the gospel. This is not for a few people up in Cork, Ireland, is for the whole world. So all the emphasis on that vaccine is the devil's counterfeit for what the gospel is supposed to do. It's a big deal, folks. In, 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 in summary, in simple words, that unborn, unborn baby that's going to be born of you, Mary, is the fulfillment of all the best promises of God. Genesis chapter 3, go back to the left, find Genesis chapter 3, first book in your Bible. Verse 14, Genesis 3, 14. This is back at the fall when Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. We're about to be kicked out of the garden. And the Lord God, verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shall eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity. Enmity is an older word that means warfare. I'll put a fight between thee and the woman. And between thy seed, talking about Satan's seed, one day the Antichrist, and her 
seed. Women don't have seed. Men do. But this woman is going to have a seed, virgin birth. Thy seed and her seed, it, her seed, shall bruise thy head, devil, and thou shalt only bruise his heel. It's a promise. And Jesus' fulfillment of that promise. Now, that may not mean much to you, but that is God's promise to undo everything the devil has had his hand in for 2,000 years. What if you let your kids just, just run out run out of control in your house for the next three weeks? You weren't there. What would, the, what would your home be like? What if Ryan was allowed to just do whatever he wanted, eat what he wanted, uh, have whatever he wanted in your house? The house would come, come crashing down, wouldn't it? And the devil has had his hand in this world for 6,000 years. I'm looking forward to God making it all right. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Isaiah, I won't take you there, but Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, the authority and the rulership of this world. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, five beautiful names. The mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. The very promised son of God was coming through you, young Mary. Now, how do you think Mary felt about that news, right? Oh, I just believe. I don't know. No, no, no. She was just as normal as you and I was. Look there, uh, M, verse 34, back there in Luke chapter 1. She struggled with it. Struggled with this announcement. Luke 1 and verse 34. She struggled just like you and I would. Verse 34. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now she knew a man, meaning she had a husband. She had she was engaged to a man named Joseph, but she was not married yet. I'm not married. You know what she's basically saying? Miracles don't happen to me. You ever felt like that? Honestly, have you ever said nothing ever happens in my life? <laughs> That's how Mary felt. I'm a nobody, remember? Miracles don't happen in my life. And yet the angel encourages her and says, watch this. Verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. It's not something you can do. And thank God, none of us can save ourselves. None of us can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We need God's help. Look what he says. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, if you don't believe me, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also, now she's old. She's probably maybe in her 40s or 50s or 60s. I don't know. Let's put her out there because her husband is old. So let's say she's around her 50s or 60s. She hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who used to be called barren. Why? Why is he telling her that? To remind her that with God, nothing shall be impossible. So the angel encourages Mary, hey, go check on Elizabeth and find out that God can do the impossible. He did it with Elizabeth. Not quite as big deal as with you, Mary, but that will encourage you to believe God for the impossible. Can I encourage you, dear Christian, that whatever God does in your life, usually is a miracle. And it's so that it encourages someone else to trust God for a miracle. That God is needed. Somebody Sometimes you need to go to the doctor. Sometimes you need to talk to your TD. But wouldn't it be great if Christian says, I need God. Because this is a miracle that no one else can do. 
So she struggled with it, and she decided, well, I guess I'm going to go ahead and believe it, which is a good thing to do. <laughs> I think she's a smart girl. She decided to live by faith. You know what faith is? To believe whatever God says. I don't make up what I believe. I just don't go like with a genie lamp saying, I want a new car. I believe I'm going to get a new car. That's demonic. Faith is whatever God says, I trust. If, if God says I should only do this and not that, then I will only do this and not that. I live by faith. She decided, Lord, if that's what you want, if that's your will, I trust you. I believe you. And you know what's funny? Everything that angel said came from the Old Testament. And that is the goal. She said, see, he didn't make up anything new and say, oh, and by the way, something, something that nobody's ever thought of is going to happen to you. That's not what the angel said. The angel said, everything that was promised about the Messiah is going to come through you. And she said, well, because I read it in the Bible already in the Old Testament, I believe it. And that is my goal in church. I want to make sure you know that whatever I say is not what Craig Ledbetter thinks. It's what is it written in the Bible. So I encourage you folks, believe everything that God says, just like she believed that angel. And that's a good thing. But there's a third thing. Too many people say, oh, I believe. And they don't. How do you know? Because they don't live it. You know what she decides? One more verse. Look there in verse. We'll start back in verse 35. When the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Guess what she says she decides in verse 38. Mary said, behold, the handmaid, we'd say the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What's she saying? I yield. I, I not only believe, but I'll go with it. God, if you say, if you say I'm supposed to react this way, even though I want to react another way, maybe punch somebody, maybe give out to them, maybe just walk away from them. But the Bible says, love your enemies, pray for them, do good to them, that despitefully use you. Lord, if I, if you tell me to do that, then not only am I going to believe it's the right thing to do, I'm going to yield to it and go ahead and do it. And that's the difference. That when you yield to, okay, all right. If you want to have the right kind of Christmas, can I encourage you? Yield to the right kind of Christmas. Yield to the right kind of desire. Uh, somebody was telling me earlier in the week at this wedding, last Christmas, this gentleman spent, he's got, he's got three kids. He's got three kids. They're all in their 20s. He spent 3500 on one of them on Christmas last year. Okay, I got a problem with that, <laughs> okay? Because you can't buy love. And, and I'm sure he wasn't trying to buy it, but something's wrong there. And in reality, let me tell you, Christmas is not about the amount of money you can or can't spend because there's most of us couldn't spend 350 on one. So let's take a step back and say, wait a minute, Lord. Mary is going to be changed. Her life is going to be awesome. Look what it says. And the angel departed from her, and she's not, oh, drat. I wanted to have a new chariot. I wanted to have a better wedding. No, she walked away with joy. She started to enjoy that first Christmas because she struggles with, listen, there's not one of us who doesn't. When we come to the Bible, we go, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep doing that. But I believe it, and I yield to it. Over and over, Romans chapter 6, the key to the victorious Christian life is yield. 
I used to yield and give in to sinful things. I now yield to the Spirit of God in my life. And there's so much more joy in that. So what creates joy at Christmas? If Christmas is mainly shopping and cooking and gift wrapping and enduring and arguing, then no wonder there's no joy in your heart or your home. But there are four things that we can do to have the same kind of joy that Mary and Elizabeth have. First of all, look at verse 38 again. Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel left her. In spite of how impossible it was for a virgin to have a child, and even him be the son of God, Mary believed God was able to do the impossible. So the first thing we need at Christmas is, I know it's very trite, I know we're so used to it, but it's faith. A simple, it is that simple activity that a Christian does and should live by because it is the highest priority ingredient for anyone to get excited about Christmas. You can't get excited about Christmas if you don't have faith. Hey, tell me, how, many, how much time did your parents spend getting you to believe in a fat guy coming down the chimney? Because they wanted you to enjoy, and to, by faith, believing all of this. I was duped when I was a kid. You know how I was duped? My dad would set a big glass of milk and two of the biggest cookies we ever saw on the, uh, on the table there by the fireplace in the sitting room, and then he would close and he would lock the door so he couldn't get in there. And the first thing that I and my brother and my sisters looked for when we went into that room on Christmas morning, we looked and those cookies were gone and that milk was drunk. <laughs> it was real. Listen, as much as we put into faith in that which was a lie, you want Christmas? Start believing what is true. She believed. We need a belief like a child has. No wonder the devil in this world wants kids to believe in Santa and reindeer and sleighs and elves in the North Pole. You know why? Because the devil's a thief and a robber. His entire plan has always been to rob what was once good of all of its beauty and substitute it for glitter and electrical lights and, and tinsel and wrapping paper. Don't let them rob your faith. Secondly, this is even more practical and amazing. Look at verse 39. It says, And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And guess where she goes? She entered into the house of Zacharias, saluted Elizabeth. Elizabeth's her older cousin, remember? I always think of the word salute. You're like, she went like this, you know. No, salute is an old word where it means greet. And it says this. She saluted Elizabeth, and, and it came to pass that when the Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, what was, now remember, Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and all of a sudden, the babe in her womb kicks and does a flip and jumps in her, in her womb. It says the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, watch this, was, underline these words, because this is what is necessary to have a great Christmas. Watch, she was filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of you ever been filled with anger? Filled with covetousness. Filled with bitterness. We know how to be filled with all the wrong things. Christmas about being filled with something maybe we've never been filled with before. The Holy Spirit of God. Look what it goes on. Verse 42, and she spake out with a loud voice 
and said, Blessed art thou, talking back to Mary among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? Why have you come to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For the lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. <laughs> talking about Mary. For there shall be a performance of those things which, is, which were told her of the Lord. Look at Elizabeth. What's she doing? She's speaking in tongues? She going around healing everybody in the village? No, that's what we normally associate with the modern charismatic movement of what happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. No, you know what happens when you fill or fill with the Holy Ghost? You talk about Jesus. You worship Jesus. And you get excited. And you get excited about people. You know, when I get to meet you, I'm meeting saints. God has touched the life of a sinner and transformed them. I love being with the saints. I know we have to be socially distant. I know there's all of these things we got to be conscious of. But boy, do we need to be together. Because when they got together, two babies got together. And it wasn't just Elizabeth getting excited at a pregnant younger cousin. But the babe got excited at the presence of the Son of God. And the, and the mom, Elizabeth, got filled with the Spirit. Do you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? What is it? Go to Galatians. I have it in reverse, John. But go to Galatians chapter 5. We'll start there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Got three scriptures here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say it with me. Joy. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. That ought to be the, the temperament of your home. Christmas ought to just turn the volume down on all the aggravation, all the frustration, the stress, and it ought to be the fruit of the Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 13. Go back to the left, find Acts 13 and verse 52. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy. Oh, but there's another thing. And the Holy Ghost. They go together. Like peanut butter and mayonnaise. No, no, no. <laughs> like peanut butter and jam. Joy goes with the Holy Ghost. Go to Romans chapter 14. To the right, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. 1417, for the kingdom of God is not, two things, what is it? Meat and drink. Isn't that what Christmas has become? Christmas, I mean, I, if, there's, if there's any silver lining to COVID, it's that pubs have had to close down. Hallelujah. That, that all of the spending that goes into a meal that mama spends four hours preparing and people spend 20 minutes devouring. Is actually ratcheted down, and it's more family and talking, and we're stuck together. Amen. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, and it's peace. And what's the third thing? And joy in the Holy Ghost. So what 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 will create joy at Christmas? A hunger for the Spirit of God, not a hunger for a, a wallet. The first wallet I got when I was I would say, five or six years old, my granddad bought for me. And he said, open it up, open it up. And I opened it up, and it had an American dollar bill in it. 
I had never had a dollar bill. And my granddad said, now you're rich. <laughs> you know what? I believed him. It took forever before I ever wanted to spend that money. You know, hungering and yearning for the things of this world never satisfies. But to ask God for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Next week is the, the finish of my series I started at the beginning about Emmanuel. The presence of God with you. But next week is about the fullness of the Spirit. You do That's the, the most important message of the year. Ask God. You're, you say, I don't even understand the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Ask for it. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit of God like the devil has filled you with sin. Say, God, if the devil can naturally fill me with such sin, such wicked thoughts, such evil desires, if the devil and the world can naturally do it without me thinking, would you please fill me with your spirit, at least by me wanting it? By the way, be careful not to quench the Holy Spirit in your life. We have candles. Yesterday, we lit a bunch of candles in the house. It just smelled so good. I was getting us ready for Christmas. And some of the candles, you ever have these Yankee candles? You know what a Yankee candle is? Very expensive candles if they're on sale. But a Yankee candle's got a lid on. You ever seen the lid? All right. Now, the lid's good for one thing, quenching the fire. Don't let anybody quench the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. Put a cover on it. Just shut you up. You want to hand out a gospel track? Take some gospel tracks. I mean, you got a few more days left for Christmas. Everybody will accept a gospel track at Christmas. Give out a Christmas track, and if somebody says, I don't want that, then you're going to get it anyway. <laughs> Nobody should quench the fullness of the Holy Spirit in a Christian. Third, I already mentioned it, but sense the presence of the Son of God. Verse 44, back there in Luke chapter 1 and verse 44. Luke 1 verse 44. For lo, behold, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded. And by the way, have they not discovered over the last 30 years that unborn children can hear? They know the sound of their mother. And they react to music. Please change the music you listen to because that kid is either growing up with Metallica or with Bach. Based on how you, what you play in your house, a child hears even though they're unborn. Keep going there. Verse, uh, where are we? Verse 44. For as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Because John, that was John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. And John said, he's here. He's here. When I was, again, I'm telling you all my stories at Christmas. Next time you get to preach, you can tell all your stories. Okay, so don't get upset. <laughs> but I was, uh, the, the young age, uh, when my, my grandparents lived about two hours away, but we never saw them. We probably saw them three times a year, maybe four times a year. But Christmas, we always had them come. We never knew when they were arriving on the time, the, the couple of days before Christmas. We never knew. But we knew when we heard a car drive up. He had a certain kind of a car. I forget what it, kind it was. But it had a big sound. It had the sound that only granddad's car had. Pulled up, and you could hear the car door open and then close. And your heart stops, and you go to the window, and what were the words? I don't know. Did anybody else say it? They're here! That's the joy that John had when he sensed the presence of the Son. Can you really do that at Christmas? I, I believe you can. You know, it would make every day easier, more endurable, more exciting. We got to the place where we sought to sense his presence with us because he promised to be with us, didn't he? He actually promised, if I can believe the promises of God, I need to be able to believe this one. 
And that is that he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. So I need to start sensing he's with me. Paul says it several times. He's on a ship that's sinking. And he gets out to everybody. Oh, he comes up on deck and he says, hey, everybody, be of good cheer. The Lord was with me tonight and encouraged me. He says, we're not going to die. Everything's going to be fine. He knew the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. He knew the presence of God. That if, if in your home, instead of the presence of grandma and grandpa, the presence of aunts and uncles, which are all important, but instead of, instead of being focused on that, wouldn't it be nice if people could have a holy hush and go, you know, we're going to make sure Jesus is welcome in our home at Christmas. Seek and sense the presence. And the last thing, verse 46. Verse 46, it says, and, and this is um, uh, Mary now talking. Mary is going to actually sit down and make a Christmas list. But do you know what her Christmas list was? It was not, I want a new chariot. I want a bigger wedding. I want a new hairstyle and a haircut. And I want, uh, uh, um, I don't know, a PlayStation 0.5, whatever, back then. Look, look what she, you know what the Christmas list in, in Mary's life was? Christmas list was all that God had done in her life. She took inventory of all the things that that angel had said and all the things that were happening in her life. And if you could, if I could encourage you, please stop with your kids and say, what has God done for us this year? And maybe you need to be first and open up and say, you know, God has humbled me. God has kind of slowed me down and got me to realize the gifts that I have already right here. You might just open up a whole new chapter in your home. But she made a list. What was she doing? She was noticing what God was doing in and around her. And that would be a great thing for us to do. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my um, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Now, the first thing that was going on, the first thing that was going on was God was saving souls. Who was the first one to get saved at Christmas? Mary. Awesome. Now, I got to say this. Can I be honest? It's been a long time since I've seen somebody get saved. I mean, I've been there. It's, I, I love to lead somebody to Christ. It is my life work to take a track, open the Bible, get them to see with their own eyes, to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and watch God save their soul. It's been a while since I've seen that, but I got news for you. God's still saving. That's why I support missionaries, because if I ain't winning somebody, I know somebody else is over in Exeter or up at the men's home up in Tala with the hardest people imaginable. Leighton Kelly is, is seeing people saved. I know at Christmas, God is saving souls. That's why I hand out tracks. You may not know it. David Murphy's not here. He was here earlier this morning. David Murphy tries every day to hand out a track to somebody. He got started on track today, and he's still going. There's some people who are still doing that in our church. You know why they do that? Because they believe it works. God is still saving souls. We just step back and start realizing, you know, God saved me 40 years ago. God saved my wife. My kids, one after. Don't ever take it for granted that your kids are going to get saved unless you ask them, are you ready to get saved? Do you understand what it means to get saved? Do you want to get born again? You have to ask them because they're going to grow up thinking, well, mom and dad are saved. I guess I'm a Christian. That's not what makes a Christian. It doesn't happen accidentally. It happens where they realize they're lost and they need to get born again. 
saving souls is what happens at Christmas. By the way, that's the only purpose for Christmas. Is not the Bible tell us he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God notices the nobodies. Verse 48, he, she goes on. She says, for he, God, hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. I'll just stop there for a second. Think about it. You know what she's saying? She's still amazed that God has noticed her. And she says, one of the best things that happened to me at Christmas is that God noticed me. Now, truth and truth, Mary was at the bottom of society. I know a lot, the Catholic Church and a lot of churches put Mary at the top. But she wasn't. She was at the bottom. She had no name. She had no successes. She had no popularity, no real beauty. She had no money, and she didn't even have a husband yet. <laughs> and yet, you know what God saw in Mary? She saw somebody that feared the Lord. Look down in verse 50. Mary says, God's mercy is on them that fear him. Like I said earlier, you don't fear anything in this world. If you worry about God, you have nothing else to worry about. Amen? When a, when a man's ways please the Lord, when a woman's ways please the Lord, God makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. I have nothing to worry about if I only worry about him. God noticed in Mary that she was a faithful woman. She was consistent. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be successful. You just need to be faithful. God said, I know that if I give you this baby, Mary, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to shirk your responsibilities of being mom. You're not going to take this as just something you have to endure. No, it's a privilege and honor, as I'm going to say, to be used of God. She goes on. She says, God honors people. He honors the nobodies. Now, we notice the big things, don't we? You hear that there's an earthquake. You find out that there's a, there's a hurricane and we're glued to the television. We notice the big things, the powerful, the bright things. The Emmys come on, the BAFTA awards, the Golden Globes, the Oscars, presidential elections. People are addicted and glued to what's happening next. Is Trump stepping down yet? Is Biden president yet? The whole world watches big things, but God notices little things. He says, you know what you ought to read about? Ants. <laughs> he says, go to the ant. Learn from those little critters. By the way, when you want to have great faith, consider a mustard seed. He notices little things. He says, by the way, go to a, go to a beach and start counting sand. You see, God notices the nobodies. The people of low degree, we'd say, have no reputation. And God had given her such an honor to be used by God. So say somebody comes into Ireland and says, I want to make a big movie. This is going to be the biggest movie ever. Okay? And so people queue up for hundreds and hundreds of meters to get into this movie. And the producer there is looking for somebody, and he looks through and up at the front are all the people that got there early and they've got their CV and they've got all of their examples of how they performed and acted and they produced these different events and things. And he goes and he goes and he sees a young girl. He says, I'm going to make you the center star of my film. That's how Mary felt. That all the most important people have been passed over and here she was made a part of God's story. 
She's not the main part, but she's a big part, isn't she? And she says, and you know, when God gives you a little part or a big part, get excited. Again, at our, I give you some ideas. Maybe you don't get, don't get angry at me. But in our Christmases with our kids, we always had one child who was given the responsibility of giving everybody their gifts. And they had to do it one at a time. And we had to wait for them to open the gift, look at it, and say thank you before we went to the next gift. But that child who was picked to go get the gift and bring it to everybody was the happiest child in the room. When you get a privilege of being used by God in any way, fixing a cup of tea, helping clean up, cleaning toilets, setting out books, coming for prayer, whatever it is, would you take it as, I get to be used by God? To be, here's the truth, to be used by God is the greatest honor of a mortal man or woman. To be used by the world is the lowest. He goes on in verse 51, or Mary goes on in verse 51 and says, God strengthens the weak. Aren't you glad? Verse 51, he has showed strength with his arm. <laughs> Ever feel like you can't live it? Feel like it's just, just beyond you? You wear out, you, you rust out, you tire out. But God shows everything with his strength, by his arm. Everything we need is found in God's strength. Philippians 4.13, what was our memory verse this year? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He strengthens the weak. He humiliates the proud. Now that part we like. We love it when the proud and the arrogant, the big-headed and the self-important, when, when they trip, when they come crashing down, and when they get humiliated and brought down to where we live. But be careful, Christian, because if you haven't been humiliated in a while, you'll be next. Because there is no room in, Christ, in Christmas for the proud. Everyone kneels at Christmas, don't they? God resists every proud person, saved or lost. So if you've been humbled this year, that's the one good thing we can rejoice about because God humiliates the proud. Goes on in verse 52. Keeps going. Uh, oh, I didn't read that, did I? Verse 51, and he says, the last half, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 52, he has put down the mighty from their seats, like their thrones. And in their place, exalted them of low degree. So often, people in political power seem untouchable. Would you agree? Laws don't ever apply to those who work at the forecourts. Oh, we have to keep from having, you know, get-togethers. But if they need to get a get-together and have a golfing activity and have birthday parties, have you noticed? So few ever get caught. And convicted and made to pay like we are. I have to I'll be honest with you. Hitler was untouchable. There were several assassination attempts against Hitler. And not one of them succeeded. And yet God brought him down, didn't he? Hitler killed his own self. Had to commit suicide. Because he was afraid of the Russians would do it. God puts down the, the, poli the, the politicians, the powerful. Crooked politicians seem to get away with murder. But one day they won't. 
at this very moment in a little village of Nazareth, all the powerful people of the world throughout all time were instantly dethroned and replaced and were destined to bow the knee to the unborn Son of God. All the Caesars, the presidents, the Taoiseachs throughout history, the multi-billionaires, the movie stars, and the music stars, all the bullies throughout history, one day will bow the knee. Look at Philippians chapter 2. We'll come back to Luke in just a moment, but Philippians chapter 2. In verse 10. Mary is, is, is looking at her life and saying, because of this baby, all of this is happening. Which is a good thing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that, 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 every, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Knee will, every knee should. I just know even the devil one day will bow the knee and say, Jesus is Lord. It gets even better. Go back to Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 53. He fills the hungry with good things. Mary's just quoting from Psalm 107, verse 9, where David writes, for he, God, satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Christmas ought to be a time where we review the good things that God has given us. And it, would, it makes a great Christmas list. This is Mary going through and saying, you know, at Christmas, God is saving souls. He saved mine. He's noticing people like me. He notices nobody. He honors them. He strengthens the weak. Mary had no strength. She had no way to have a baby without a husband. She didn't have a husband, and yet God gave her the ability. God humiliates the proud and puts down the powerful. Fills the hungry with good things. Empties wealthy people of the riches. Look at verse 53. He goes on, and the rich he hath sent away empty. You know, when God sent Moses to Israel, to, to um children of Israel inside slavery. They were under slavery. Moses says, we're leaving. And those Jews said, good. Where's our weapons? Where's the army? What's the plan? And Moses said, uh, we're just going to walk out. And, and it was just beyond them to conceive that, that when they actually happened and they started to go, Pharaoh was saying, leave, go on here. And the people started giving them money. The people started taking all of their best wealth and saying, Go, go, here, take this. We don't want it anymore. And they went away with everything that Egypt had. You know, one of these days, all of the billions and billions and billions that some people have amassed, and however they did it, I'm not envious of them. They can have their money. I just know this. One of these days, they'll leave it all behind. You can't take it with you. And guess who gets it in the end? The Bible says, and the meek shall inherit the whole earth. So don't worry about trying to inherit it now and get it now and hoard it up now and pile it up. Jesus said, lay your, lay your treasure up in heaven. You'll get everything that people are, are fighting for. It'll all be given to you one day in heaven. Fills the hungry with good things. I thought about this. I thought about that phrase where he says he fills the hungry with good things. And I wrote a little poem. People who lack the necessities of life, and there are many, 
who hunger as they go to bed each night, become richer and fuller than the wealthiest of men because Jesus fills a soul again and again. He is the answer when the world has gone dry. He gives family and strength and joy when we cry. So don't worry when it seems everyone else has their fill. Jesus fills the hungry with good things when we do his goodwill. Jesus will, listen, if you don't have much, and doesn't it grieve you when you don't have much under your tree? You're like, and you're trying to, you're trying to prefigure your kids will be happy. If your kids have a saved mom and a saved dad, if they have a church, a Bible, if they know Jesus, you're rich. You are richer than anyone else in this world. This may blow your mind, but guess what? Christmas is not really mainly about you and me, okay? Christmas was all about God helping Israel. Look in verse 454, Luke 154. He, God hath hoping, we say, helped his servant. What's the name? Israel. In remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our father, Fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever. Stop there and think about it. Even though the Jewish people are a mess as a nation, have been for a long time, they were ruined economically, they were oppressed physically, they had lost all of their freedoms, they were occupied by Rome, they were fallen away from God, yet God, by the birth of Jesus, helped his people at that first Christmas. What does Jesus, remember Matthew 21, 21 says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save not just people, he will save his people from their sins. Through Jesus, God helped Israel to know him again. Remember, he said to, to um, wasn't it Thomas? Was it Andrew who said, Lord, show us the Father? And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was reminding them what the Father was like. He wanted Israel to know him again to turn to him again, to follow him again through Jesus. The, the fact is, Christmas proves God loves Israel. He is eternally committed to them as a nation above all other nations. He's promised that over and over in Jeremiah. He loves them more than he loves the Irish. I'm sorry. He loves them more than he loves Africans and English and Texans and Germans and Chinese. He loves Israel. That doesn't mean they're saved. They're some of the most ungodly people, most arrogant people you'd ever meet. But so were we before we got saved. And the truth is, God centers all his plans around Israel. He does nothing that does not in some way help Israel to get saved. You getting saved, you walking with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, being around a Jew is an offense to them to get them to get angry enough to pursue, to find out why they don't know the God. That you so easily know. You see, you being saved is ultimately so that a Jew gets saved. Now, you may never meet a Jew in your life, but you ought to be ready to give them the gospel. It ought to be the greatest privilege to give them the gospel, just like it is to give anybody. But Israel was helped by the come. Jesus was a Jew, remember that. He was born in Israel, remember that. He came to save Israel. They rejected him. So did a big deal. I rejected him over and over and over until finally the penny dropped. Don't be so arrogant. Well, the Jews, God's all through with the Jews. Don't you believe that for one second? He's, he's, he's got them in his sight. They are the apple of his eye. You and I, we're in by grace. <laughs> it's only by being born again. Dumb dog, pagan Gentiles don't go to heaven, folks. And religious Jews don't go to heaven. 
born again people get saved. But we get saved because we're trusting the God of the Jews. We're reading a Jewish book, following a Jewish Savior who came to the world to save everyone. I'm just telling you, blow your mind. Next time somebody says, we are the reason for Christmas. No, we're not. The Jews were. And isn't it nice when we get a little bit of the overflow? Conclusion. All of that was understood by two pregnant women nine months before Christmas. And they enjoyed every part of it. More than all the gifts that are in our, you're in my home. You know, they weren't the only one. The shepherds got in on the joy. They were so excited, they went around and they woke up everybody in Bethlehem. All 30 houses. <laughs> they says, you got to come see the baby. The angels in heaven were so thrilled, they filled the sky with singing and rejoicing and with joy. The wise men, when they came, they rejoiced to be able to bow before the king of kings in a crib. <laughs> and here we are, 2,020 years later. God is still drawing attention to his son. I'm glad for Christmas because Christmas still has a shadow of, oh, it's Jesus. So don't let the world find their way to Jesus because they won't find their way. You enjoy Christmas to show the world you have no idea what Christmas is all about. I don't have two gifts to put under the, the, the tree, but I do have a gift to give to you. His name is Jesus. Remember, Peter Peter is walking over to the temple and there's a man. He's crippled and he everybody's coming by and giving him a few coppers, a few coins. And the man says, alms, alms. And, and, and he's, he's unable to get up or do anything, no work or whatever. And Peter reaches in his pocket. The first pope, right. He reaches in his pocket and he has nothing in his pockets. What does he say to that cripple? Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. And he gave him Jesus. Here we are 20, 2,020 years later. Don't try to find an, a religious experience or an emotional experience. Oh, this will make her happy. Oh, this will make the kids happy. Don't do that. Don't do that. Seek to learn how to empty yourself of yourself. It would be wonderful if it would be wonderful if at your Christmas tree or at your home at Christmas that you really weren't a big deal. Hello? But that Jesus was. And then seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. Seek the presence of God with all your heart. Say, Lord, I just, I just want to sense your presence. And whatever you want to do in my life, just like, I mean, Mary, one moment she's not pregnant, boom, next minute she is. <laughs> her life has changed. <laughs> From that moment on, people are going to look down on her and wonder, when did you get pregnant? How did you? We kind of added up all of the months from the time you got married to the time you had baby. She's going to live with this for this. Her life has changed. She has to flee with her husband. They have to go to Egypt. They end up up in Nazareth. Things don't work out. Her life has changed, but who's in charge of her life? God is. Yield to that. See, Christmas is not about, oh, good, I get to plan out my life. I get to do this. Let the work of Christ change you. And here's a final thought. If Mary needed a Savior to save her, don't think you'll be okay when you face God at the judgment. 
if you're not saved. You, just like every other mortal man or woman, boy or girl, must be born again in order to miss the judgment of God that's coming on this world. Are you saved? I like that phrase. Are you saved? Because it begs the question, saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from the judgment, the penalty of your sin. I don't think anybody wants to die, but I don't want you to know that there's a second death you have to worry about. First death is not as bad as the second death. He who is born once is going to die twice. But he who has been born again, born twice, dies only once. And that is just like falling asleep. Are you saved yet? You need to be saved. You need to receive the gift of God yourself. What does the Bible say? Romans 6.23, the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God, Christmas gift, is eternal life through Jesus. He paid for it. He did it all through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the bleak midwinter, you say, well, how do you do it? Let me give you a bleak midwinter is an old Christmas hymn, and it ends with this, this, these lines. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, oh, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. So the one thing you can give Jesus is all the sin and the darkness of your heart, as it is. Don't try to cover it. Because when you let that go, you can then be given and receive eternal life, forgiveness. You receive everything that Jesus has. As we bow in prayer, Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you we get to focus on this event. It's not a once-a-year thing because it's in the Bible, but we do make it a big thing at Christmas. I pray that everybody in this room would have a heart to go home and try to adjust things. Make a list of things that you've been doing in their life. A lot of the things that you do, Lord, in our life hurt, are hard, but they change us. They make better people out of us. Lord, if you brought us to a place where we don't have any other place to go except to you, then that's where, that's where salvation occurs. That's where the new birth can occur because then we only have you. And if somebody in this room would just cry out to you right now and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. I'm nobody. I imagine Mary was infinitely better than I am. So how can, how can, how can I be saved the same way Mary was through Jesus? Jesus died for every person in this room, including you, dear friend. If you want to be saved, you can ask right now. If somebody offered you a gift and said, here, I got this just for you, you wouldn't ask what you have to do. You wouldn't ask what money it would cost. You would just take it and receive it and thank them for it. Because it's for you. And dear friend, would you do that now? Jesus offers you himself. You've been given a chance to hear one more time the gospel. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The best Christmas you'll ever have is to enjoy it with Jesus. So, Lord, bless us as we get ready. We, finish, we sing this song and then we go home. Bless our homes because we have spent time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to sing very quickly, Jesus, I come.